Hello, and welcome to another Sarasota Institute podcast. The Sarasota Institute is a 21st century think tank that is focused on 10 major topics we feel important for the future of humanity. Please go to sarasotainstitute.global to learn more. The Sarasota Institute is a nonprofit corporation. Hello, this is David Houle. I'm a co-founder and the managing director of the Sarasota Institute, a 21st century think tank. And today I am delighted to introduce our guest to you. He's Phil Kotler, who's a friend. Uh, more importantly, he's a co-founder of the Sarasota Institute. We founded it five years ago with a view towards trying to bring great thinking into the future. And of course, most of you probably know uh, Dr. Philip Kotler as, quote, the father of modern marketing. Phil, welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me uh, to this conversation. Okay, Phil. So first of all, how many books have you published total in your life? Well, uh, you know, I've published 90 books. I put out a thing called Why I Published 90 Books. It was not <laughs> my intention at the beginning. And is that, uh, is that a book? Is that a recent book that you've written? Um, no, it's not a book that I've written about why I published 90 books, but would you it's send an article. Me a, would you send it's me an copy? article that shows the 90 book covers. <laughs> oh, would, would you send that to me, please? I, I will send that to you, sure. So, so given the fact, and how many of those books were pretty much straight about marketing of the 90? I would say about uh, 65% were on marketing and business, and the rest have, have been on the common good, on democracy on uh, capitalism and the problems and how they may be solved. Right, right. Well, so today I want to focus on the marketing. So to everybody listening, if you want to read and learn from the master, he's got 60 books for you to read. And most of them are probably still available on Amazon. So what we want to do today, Phil, uh, and to the audience, is to talk about marketing and how it's going to change into the future. Um, so, you know, for example, let's just start. How, how do you think marketing is going to change in the 2020s and 2030s in the near term, next 10 to 15 years? Yes. Well, it turns out that uh, marketing has already uh, had a major, major change when computers and the Internet came about. We're in the digital age and therefore we're putting less effort in old fashioned big ads, 90, you know, 20 uh, uh, second commercials. Uh, we, they're still going on, but we have brand new tools. We call it MarTech tools, just like in finance, there are finance, FinTech tools, new things happening with the digital in finance. Well, we have uh, new things happening uh, in marketing. So uh, we, we expect that uh, there will be uh, much more movement from mass marketing, like Coca-Cola is still mass marketed, to segment marketing. We're going to get down to individual. We are already knowing so much about each buyer, uh, what that buyer reads, what that buyer's income roughly is like, what the buyer's preferences are in categories of food and clothing and so on, that we can address individuals and bring to their attention goods that might 
and goods and services that might interest them. Right. So, so what is the technology? I mean, we, we, we can see what's happened over the last, say, 30 years with the technology called the Internet. And now we have data mining. And, and so, so is technology going to be the driver for the primary change? And if so, how do you see what technologies do you see or how is marketing going to be changed by technologies, say, in 10 years? I mean, you, you, well, you, yeah, Let, let's look at some how, of the how, what would be the, what would be the consumer experience and how might that change? Well, first of all, we're all uh, waiting for the driverless car and uh, that will come about. Uh, but we know also that we can deliver goods now with drones. And as you may recall, Amazon was playing around with the idea of uh, dropping certain products uh, off uh, on the uh, right at the doorsteps of places that uh, expect them and probably just notifying at home to just look outside right now because it was just droned down to you. But I'm fascinated with another technology which Amazon has started, which is called the ghost store. It's the store where you walk in and you don't have to have anything but your phone. You don't have to have any money with you. There's no clerk being paid to see you. You walk into the store and you immediately um, put your phone down on a certain diagram, which immediately identifies who you are. And from then on, every time you pick up any product off the shelf you, and you're looking at it, and if you walk and put it in your bag, they know that because on the ceiling of the ghost store are dozens and dozens of cameras. And modern technology is used. And by the way, after your visit to that store and you've walked out, you look at uh, your phone and there is the bill for what you took from the store. So, so what, what we have is the ultimate in automation and convenience is what you yes. just described. Yes. You don't have to have even your money with you or anything else, maybe just a bag to, to put some so, stuff in. So one of the things that immediately I would think come up for some of the uh, people listening to us today is how does that affect privacy? How is marketing? That is a clear example of if you're ready for convenience. I've off, I wrote a book once on, on uh, you know, the future, is, mar- is privacy dead? And I said, basically, that there's two things that... Pr- Convenience always trumps privacy. People will act for convenience. And technology, uh, as technology increases, privacy declines. You've just described that. So yeah. what, what are your thoughts as, as the grand marketer as to invasion of privacy? Because the data mining is doing just that. Is that a well, good uh, As is a that? matter of fact, David, if, if you're in the store called um, the ghost store of Amazon, Right. Uh, they not only are accounting for everything you're picking up and putting in your bag, but they're even suggesting things that you forgot about that you do like, because that's how much they know what right. you like and you forgot to look on that shelf. But the thing is that there will always be people questioning uh, this uh, great uh, downgrading of privacy. Uh, and especially if it starts being abused by knowing things or doing things to people that are harmful, mm-hmm. you'd have to, as a 
advocate of more privacy, showed things that were really there to hurt people. And I haven't seen many of those things yet. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm of the opinion that technology, you know, artificial intelligence, technological intelligence is really a boon uh, for people because it will simplify our lives. It will take a lot of decisions. We don't have to be making decisions. You know, David, you've never taken this route to work. Why are yeah. you doing this? That type of thing. So sure. I'm not I'm not that concerned about privacy because I think we've lost it anyway. But yeah. so so you think in the future there's going to be even more integration of personal information out to marketers and that that's a two way street. Uh, yes, uh, and that is going to benefit people. Um, hopefully, the targeting is so good that we're not saddled with a lot of temptations that we didn't ask for and that wasted our time, took time away from us. So we hope, in fact, that uh, it's it's accurate work that marketers are doing rather than a lot of inaccurate work Right. in, in making presentations to, to each person. So I want to move on to something that um, <clears throat> is really significant, which is the climate crisis. And um, as you know, as a fellow co-founder of the Institute, we made that a significant, one of the top, 10 topics, but a very significant one. So here's the question for you. Given that marketing heretofore has been about getting people to buy things, to consume, the real need going forward, of course, is less consumption, less reliance on fossil fuels. So how can marketing become more aligned with having less? How can marketing become aligned with um, changing how we live by things to face the climate crisis collectively. I mean, I think that's a key issue for marketing. It is, it is. And it is going to be a trauma for marketing to face the fact that they've been trying to have endless growth, endless growth. Now that we realize that the more people buy and move around and so on, they're generating carbon. Carbon is warming the earth. And it's going to be a, a, a planet that is at risk. And uh, with that understanding, we've got to uh, see if we can contain consumption um, to what is reasonable in the way of consumption. There's a whole movement called degrowth, which I've been writing about. Uh, I can send you a recent pay, uh, piece. And um, one fellow wrote the book called uh, Less is More. It's a very popular idea, of course, that uh, why always think that more is better than how about paying attention to the things that are worthwhile to pay attention to where less is more. So in any case, uh, we we are doing this. We're advocating as marketers, some marketers are advocating such things as uh, let's have less planned obsolescence where you look, you got a pretty good uh, uh, cell phone. What do you need the next one for? Just because it has a a slightly different uh, attribute that is not necessarily even needed. What about cutting down advertising more? Uh, And how about uh, shifting uh, us to pay attention to uh, the things that will hurt if they happen, uh, water shortages or, or failures in water quality um, and uh, air pollution. And as a matter of fact, it's so upsetting with the Supreme Court to see that they are 
removing the um, sure. the controls on on good air. We want to breathe good air. So okay, so marketing uh, people can fight this if they <clears throat> want to turn their attention to it here. What do you think? What will can be they the do? Dri- what, what do you think will be the driver? Because there's so many people who are uh, challenged by the motives of advertisers and marketers. So how can marketers show and without a financial benefit to persuade people to not buy products? Well, first of all, we we want to distinguish between two types of marketing. One is called... uh, uh, one one is, is called the normal marketing we know, which is to get you to buy something. Right. There's another form of marketing with using the same tools of marketing called social marketing. In fact, the book Social Marketing is now in its seventh edition. It's coming out in the seventh edition, and it's very popular. What social marketers do is they started by helping people stop smoking. As something right. that was not good for them. Uh, but we now have ways to uh, fight uh, various uh, things that injure people, uh, getting on a ladder, uh, t- taking your, ki- your young little kids to the, uh, to the beach and, and not putting a proper thing around them so that they don't drown. Uh, so social marketing has a whole history of countering the normal marketing where it's consumption that is injurious. Right. Okay. Uh, now, the next point is we need a, a, a picture of a better world to begin with to make any progress. And, and capitalism itself is something that I want to see preserved. There's, I can't imagine another system that would be better than capitalism, but it is not the right kind of capitalism. The right kind of capitalism is being supported in the Nordic countries, the Sweden and Denmark and Norway and so on. And do you know what we admire about them? They're producing a higher number of people who have three attributes. They're happier people, they're healthier people, and they are more educated people. In any polling you study of what countries have the happiest, healthiest, and uh, and and most educated people? It's the Nord. It's those living with Nordic capitalism, yeah. where the idea is people pay more taxes, especially the rich, and most of the things are are almost free. College education almost free, healthcare almost free. In other words, all the problems we wrestle with in our type of capitalism. Yeah and sweat over is being solved for us by paying somewhat more taxes. So Phil, so Phil, I've read your book on that and read all your writings on it. And and we've had conversations about that the way I, so, you know, the way I've described it is that capitalism needs to be reinvented for the 21st century. In other words, words, um, uh, Adam Smith, who is the intellectual architect of capitalism died in 1792 before the industrial revolution. So how could, you know, so he, so he wrote in the agricultural age. So how can that possibly not need an adaptation to now? Right. So the same can be said about our cats, our constitution. I mean, really it's a constitution 
that is being perverted now. Uh, totally. Where human I mean, people don't have a human right to a woman cannot make her own decision. We, I don't want. I want to stay away from that because you and I are in total agreement on 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 all aspects of that. Uh, and I don't want to be too political here. But 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 the way to phrase what you just said is capitalism and democracy, both the the, the best in their respective categories needs to be reinvented. So what you're saying relative to marketing is that by changing the nature of capitalism as it exists will inevitably change marketing. Is that right? Oh, yes, that's right. And in my book called uh, uh, Confronting Capitalism, I outline all the problems that the current type of capitalism has created and the solutions that can be done. In my book called uh, um, face, I have a book on democracy. The same thing. Our democratic system has a number of problems that can be pointed out, specifically pointed out, that have solutions. Yeah. If if if, if one of the things I want you to comment on just on that specifically is, you know, on your smartphone and on our smartphone, I do help. I do doctor's appointments. I go into my doctor's portal. Uh, I do financial transactions. Why can't I vote? Right. I mean, exactly. why, 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 why can't we bring technology into the single most important thing we have, which is to get people to participate in a democracy? I mean, I saw one statistic, you know, about the sixth year of American Idol, that more people voted uh, on their phones during a season of American Idol than ever voted in a presidential election. Right. I mean, stuff yeah, like David, that. the problem is clear. There are two political parties. One political party has only a minority of support. It doesn't want to die. It is doing everything to prevent the best means of voting, because if the majority would really be heard, it would put down. It would allow us to start making progress. Right. That's the problem. So, so in the in a couple of minutes that we have left, Phil, um, I have a question. I I've written I'm written down here. In a world of climate crisis, the huge divisiveness in the U.S. on issues, a land war in Europe, and any you know the the energy crisis, the inflation that's going on now, how can marketing be brought to bear to course correct humanity, course correct the United States. However, how can one of the most powerful forces ever invented, marketing, be applied to redirect us or to recenter us or to, to find the new path forward versus the one we're on? Any comments on that? I mean, you must have some large thoughts on that. Well, I uh, think it's a very good question, but I don't have any answers that are fresh and different to, to offer right now. Uh, well, we how about one of your each own? problem separately. The war in, yes. uh, in the Ukraine is a problem that marketing is not the, right. the thing that's going to answer. Uh, the inflation, yes. We have to get people to buy at a different rate than they've been buying, especially in the highly industrial countries. Remember, when we talk about containing consumption, or reducing consumption, don't do that in the uh, underdeveloped countries. No, right. They're under consumers. They're malnourished. Right. I'm talking about the sin of the advanced countries absorbing all the energy of the world and all of the uh, bad, noxious uh, sources of energy, uh, the fossil fuels 
and they need to start trimming down. One of the a quote that I use on this uh, in my talks is from Gandhi, where he said, "We can take care of everybody's needs if not everybody's greed." Right, right. Gandhi so, is wonderful on that score, and I'm uh, sure uh, Martin Luther King and others have uh, similar sentiments and so on. So, so as we as we wrap up here, um, what are some final thoughts? Some for I'm sure somebody's called them Kotlerisms, but what are some Kotlerisms for marketers? Because I think there'll be a number of marketers who will be listening to this podcast because you are on it. But people in general, what are some Kotlerisms going forward uh, about marketing in any way, shape, or form that you hope yeah. to see? I, I tell you, any of your readers uh, or listeners can go to my name and just look up Kotler quotations. Okay. Uh, and there will be a list of 50 or so. But the main thing is um, Peter Drucker is my uh, inspiration on a lot of thoughts. Uh, and Mine too, by one the of way. His, yeah. And one of and he was the father of modern management. Right. And 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 I, I call him actually the grandfather of modern marketing because uh, he was so intuitive at the beginning just on marketing, let alone business. Well, he basically main, said that he said the nature of a corporation is operations and marketing or something like that, right? Well, he said there's two things that count in a company. One is to one is marketing and the other is innovation. All the other functions are costs, <laughs> which really screwed up the, uh, the the respect he had from business. Yeah. Because if you're in production, you're being told you're, you know, it's not about you. It's about coming out with something that people want and need. Right. So, uh, so in Drucker summary, said, Phil, Drucker once said yeah. at this point, he said, uh, the aim of marketing is to make selling unnecessary. Okay. It's this, this common confusion that marketing is, is selling. No, right. marketing is, is creating solutions to problems held by people that will work for them and, and, and make them feel better, better. So I that, mean, that really is the key to this innovation, innovation, creating solutions that are meaningful and helpful. Well, at the very least, the world in everywhere place you look needs that right now. So let's hope that marketing can lead the way as we move forward into these um, currently troubled times, but I'm very optimistic that, that uh, we can come through this. So yeah. I want to thank you, Phil, um, for, for doing this podcast. Um, and uh, to everybody who's listening, um, um, it will be available at the sarasotainstitute.global list of podcasts. It's also available on Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you so much, Phil, for being here with us today. Uh, thank you, David. And keep up your wonderful work in making the world a better place, uh, one that is uh, keeping the planet a livable place. Well, that's the goal for all of us. Thank you, Phil. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please go back to where you downloaded this podcast to find another one that might be of interest to you. Thank you.